You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is All By Myself. I think Celine Dion did it best, possibly. Yeah, she did. Got a yeah, she did down here. So some of this today is going to be for maybe some people in the room, but some of this today is for people beyond here that we call and talk to, that listen and watch all over the planet. And one of the things that you pick up on is that there are a lot of Christians who feel this way spiritually, that they, they kind of say, I'm all by myself. I'm reading the scriptures. I'm trying to chase after God. I'm trying to live a godly life. I'm trying to do what the scripture says. I'm trying to live a holy life, just trying to do the deal. And yet I don't run into people. And these are not people like, oh, I'm better than somebody else. It's just they can't find people to run with. And in some cases, there are people that listen and watch in remote kind of rural areas where there aren't many churches and they can't find these people. So that can be extremely discouraging. And even as a new Christian, or if you're a Christian, you just finally are growing up, when you begin to pull away from your past and pull away from people who pulled you back, then there's a piece of that stretch there where you are all by yourself, it feels like, until you catch up with that next group or someone else comes along. And it can be overwhelming. It can be part of the reason why you say, I'm by myself, I'm going back. It'd be better to be with bad people than be alone. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and this is going to, you say, well, this is kind of obvious. You're just reading the obvious verses. Well, they're not so obvious to everybody. Genesis 2.18, and the Lord God said, and this is about Adam, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. In other words, someone that goes with him like he had done with all the animals. But this is not good. It's the only thing God says is not good for man to be alone. We are not supposed to be by ourselves, but there are people around the world who in some cases are hiding somewhere. Maybe they don't even have a whole Bible. They got pieces of a Bible and they're memorizing it. They are afraid. Maybe not, they're not courageous or bold. They just know if they get caught, bad things are gonna happen. And so they're trying to keep moving forward in spite of all that. First Kings 19. Now, I'm going to recommend you go back and read First Kings and especially around this story. Some of what I'm talking about today is this. This thing can get discouraging. You can be a prophet of God. In this story, it's Elijah. And see God do miraculous things. I'm talking about, in his case, fire falls from heaven and consumes stuff just licks it up and destroys it, and then prophets of Baal are killed. I mean, it's just miraculous stuff happened, and then you basically end up depressed. How can you go from such mountaintop heights to valleys, it seems like, below valleys, if that's possible, where you're just overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh, I'm by myself, what do I do? If you go read 1 Kings 18, 
It has not rained for like three years at Elijah's command. He said it's no rain, it didn't rain, and now it's about to rain finally. But there's a showdown on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal and Elijah. And go read the story, and they build these altars and find some water to pour over the sacrifice and the ditch around it. And these prophets of Baal, 400-something of them, you know, crying out to their God, nothing happens. He says, are you done? And then he cries out to God, and fire falls, and boom, consumes everything. And everybody has to acknowledge that Elijah's God is God. So you should be very encouraged. Look what happened. And then he chases these prophets of Baal and kills all of them. Jezebel goes crazy and threatens to kill Elijah, and he is running for his life. All this trust in God, all this, oh, it's going to be okay, or I'm the man, or God's used me, he is scampering. Go to 1 Kings chapter 19. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow this time, like I'm gonna kill you. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. Why is he running from Jezebel? How can you be fearful of God and see God work and all of a sudden some woman threatens you and you run? It happens to too many men. And went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. So he's on the run, verse 8. So he arose, ate, and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. He goes into a cave and spends the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take me. Now, kind of, he's not exactly the only one left, probably, but this is not just, even if he is the only one left, that's not what he's saying. Oh, it's, I'm the only one left. Well, then if you're the only one left and you've seen God do all this stuff, what are you doing in this cave? Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And that's where the band got their name, Earth, Wind and Fire, by the way. But anyhow, <laughs> and after the fire, a still small voice. So does God always speak in a still small voice? No, but for Elijah, he had seen all these massive fire coming down from heaven. So God manifests in all these ways again to him outside of this cave. But then he says, no, this is me, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. Again, <laughs> I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel, the king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, the king, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat. And Abel Mohala, you shall anoint his prophet in your place. And it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. And then look at this, verse 18. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, 
and every mouth that has not kissed him. In other words, you're not by yourself. So, you're not by yourself. You say, well, I'm all by myself. You are not all by yourself. So you say, well, Lord, where are these people? Hopefully some are in this room. I met with a guy the other day, he's in trouble. And something has to change, and I've done this here on the stage before, but I had him stand up and I grabbed him and I said, struggle to get away from me. I've got him around the neck. I said, struggle to get away from me. And he kinda, you know, struggled a little bit. And then I said, now, don't do what I'm about to tell you to do. But if I change the word from struggle to fight me to get away from me, could you get away from me? Now, I knew the answer was yes. Sooner or later, you stop struggling and you start fighting. And I said, if you don't start fighting, you're gonna lose everything. He had been to a men's gathering and one of the guys that spoke in the meeting is on fire. And he's saying, well, I need some accountability. I need someone to meet with. And I'm saying, okay, well, let's think about that. He brought up that guy's name. Why do you think he wants to talk to that guy? Because that guy was at a point where if he did not fight and keep fighting, he would lose everything too. So a man that is ready to fight wants to be around fighting men. A woman who is ready to fight wants to be around fighting women. And we tend to gravitate. Oh, I just want to do this and this. You surround yourself with a bunch of lukewarm people. If you're lukewarm, you want lukewarm people. But when you decide to fight, you find fighters. Find people who are chasing what you're chasing. And unfortunately, that's what we all do. If you're chasing drugs, you find people chasing drugs. You're chasing women, you find men who want to chase women. It's whatever you're chasing, that's what you surround yourself with. And God encourages Elijah to say, look, you're not by yourself. Proverbs 18.1. I try to read through Proverbs every month, and man, this one will get you. About day 18. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. So you say, well, I'm all by myself. That may be of your own choosing. I come across people and I say, you know, this is not going well. Nope. It's not going to go well. Nope. You need people around you. Oh, no, no. I don't need anybody. I can do it all by myself. Now, unfortunately, there's nothing you can do for that person. They don't want your help. So what do you do? You pray for them and you wait till they're ready. And eventually, if they're a Christian and God's working on them, especially, what happens? They come around and say what? I cannot do this all by myself anymore. Will you help me? And I go, I can help you. But you have to be willing. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So a lady that's been listening on the radio, I spoke with her recently and she's got two kids and she lives a ways from here. I don't wanna to give too much of this away without letting her share her own story, but she came and visited, met her, and the Holy Spirit said, take her to lunch. She, her girls, and my family, and we went to lunch. And we all sat down and I said, okay. And I don't know anything about this woman. She said, what she did tell me at the door leaving was, she said, you said you invited us to go fishing. She said, I came to go fishing. I wanna know how to share my faith and I need a woman to disciple me. I wanna know how to do this, I want it done to me so that I can help someone else. So we sit down and she says, told me where she lived, that she and her husband lived on a lake and she came home, I think the story is, I don't have all the details right, but she came home and basically what happened is her husband and one of their daughters drowned and they couldn't find the bodies. 
And she said, this for hours, they're out there dredging, you know, trying to find her husband and her daughter. She's pregnant with one of her children and the other one's little. And she told us that she went up into her bathroom and had decided she was gonna kill herself. She knew she was pregnant, she was totally overwhelmed and she could not, she said, I can't do this, I cannot do this. And then she heard a voice say, you will stand again. And she didn't kill herself. And so five years later, we sit down with her and uh, you say, well, that's a crazy story. Let me tell you something. There ain't nothing but crazy stories. Either of our own doing or things that have happened to us, we all got troubles and we all need each other. And there's a woman who doesn't even live here trying to forge her way and chase after God and drove all the way to Dallas to say, teach me to fish, teach me to follow him and to lead somebody else. I need her, right? She needs us, I need her. I need to hear a woman say that God told her, you will stand again. And she stood again. And she's alive and so is that baby she was carrying. First Corinthians chapter 12. Just hear more about the body and gifts. Go down to verse 11. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Then down in verse 26. And if one member suffers, so if you had been at lunch with this woman and her kids, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Easy example, you know, if you stump your toe, your whole body turns into a toe, right? You know, stump your toe, somebody says, what's your name? Toe, 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 my name is Toe. Everything in your body goes toe, 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 in trouble, toe's in trouble. <laughs> You're nothing but a toe at that moment. Save the toe. You know, alarms go off, toe. So then you're fine and someone, you know, if you're a woman, I think this works with women big time. A woman and someone walks up and says something as simple as this. You have such beautiful eyes. And her whole body says, uh, what's your name? Eyes, 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 eyes. We're nothing but eyes. The whole body goes, we got great eyes. Right? So that's not a calf or some muscle going, oh, we didn't say anything about us. Well, look down there, man, look at those calves. Eyes, what about eyes? Who cares about our eyes? If you didn't have my legs, you can't go anywhere anyway. So crazy stuff like that. But what does the body do? It rejoices. So when something good happens for somebody, we go, yes. And when something tough happens for somebody else, we go, oh my gosh, we mobilize. Verse 26 again then. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healing helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And the answer to all these questions is no. 
but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And what is the next chapter? Love. So even if you do all those things, but you have not love, you're just making noise. Second Corinthians 4.1, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Now, why does the Bible full of these things saying, be steadfast, immovable, don't lose heart? Because we lose heart. You kind of get tired of doing the right thing. Everybody's not doing the right thing. And by the way, if you're comparing your life to non-believers who don't have any other thing to do but what they do, you see, well, they're having fun. They're lost. That's all they got. I don't blame non-believers for doing what they do. That's all they got. Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die. Go for it. If they're not going to make it, do something here. Have a little fun because it's, it's all they got. And if you say, well, they shouldn't be living that way, then show them how to live. Show them a better way, a more excellent way. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So reaping and sowing can be good or bad. Depends on what you're sowing. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. If you put the right seed in the ground, what is that seed? Not to the flesh, but to the spirit. I promise you, whatever you're planting is going to come up. So keep sowing to the spirit and you're going to reap. It says it right here. You sow to the spirit, you'll reap everlasting life. Don't grow weary, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't give up on that crop. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. One of my favorite examples is this, is women who are trying to live godly lives. I met with a couple the other day, and they're not sleeping together. And she made that clear right up front, and he was okay with that. Why? They don't want to destroy their relationship before they have one. You say, well, now you're making me feel bad because I've made some bad choices. I didn't make you make those choices. But if you did, there's forgiveness for that. But let's change the behavior. So we got girls in our church would love to be married. And they're doing the right thing. And the devil says, you'll never get a, you'll never get a man. Sow to the flesh. And then you reap of the flesh. Then you get something. What would you get? Nothing. And then the girl says, well, I'm going to keep sowing to the spirit. And I'm going to reap that. And you know what? You're right. And then a man shows up who loves God more than you, which is what you're looking for. And you go, wow, I sure am glad I waited. I tell people this all the time. If you think you're lonely single, whew, try being lonely married. You get married and you feel like you're all by yourself, you're in trouble. Well, I'm just too lonely. I just want somebody. Well, that's what you're going to get is somebody. You want someone. Now, you say, well, what are you trying to say? You're not by yourself. You get discouraged, you know. You meet some guy online. He's saying all the right things. Man, run that by somebody. I'll make an offer. You girls meet some guy. You think he's the one. You send him by to see me. <laughs> you, can get, you can give him my number. Everybody's got it already. Hey, baby, what's up? You know. Man, you got some great eyes and calves. You got calves, you know. <laughs> He's noticing everything because he wants your body. 
Oh, it's just so nice to be wanted. I get it. But don't sign up for that. I met with a guy the other day who's never been married, older, and he's trying to find the right girl. A girl that he's been seeing brought him, <laughs> he rode with her to the restaurant that we met in. And he said to her, do you want to come in and meet my pastor? And she said, no. And I said to him, she ain't the one. <laughs> I've never even seen a woman and she was, I could have peeked and seen her through the blinds. She wouldn't come in. Why is she, she's not coming in, she don't want to meet me. You say, well, why do you think that is? Because she knows I love him and I'm gonna say something to her about what's going on with him and she don't want those questions. You think men are chicken, that's a chick for sure, a chicken chick, whatever. I don't get many of those. I was like, wow, this is amazing. What else? Second Thessalonians 3, verse 11. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Get a job. I'm not saying, I understand people can't get jobs, whatever. If you can work, go get a job. I got verses to back it up. Not working at all, busybodies. Now, those who are such, we commend and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. When you see that going on, you keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, I wasn't there when all this went down and don't claim to understand it. Even God is not alone. Now, there's a big thing to interject. You say, well, God is God. Yes, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even they know better than to be by themselves. They have each other. We have them. They have us. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. Matthew 27, 46. Go back over there. I'm not also not claiming to understand everything I read or know about what I'm about to read you here. Matthew 27, 46, Jesus hanging on a cross all by himself. You say, well, there were people around. There are some things that nobody can do but you. And in this case, there was nobody but him. Corinthians talks about the fact that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him so you have Jesus hanging on a cross who literally has become sin. He is the sacrificial lamb that it has all been dumped on. And somehow in the relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit, hanging on a cross, what comes out of his heart and mouth is this. 46, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And the whole Bible is replete with verses. We've read some of them. I will never leave you or forsake you. 
Why would God forsake his only son so that he would never have to leave or forsake us? I will never cry out for any reason, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I may feel like he's forsaken me. I may think I'm all by myself. It's just not possible anymore. He is always not just with me, but in me, even if I don't feel that way. So it can never happen. I can literally never be by myself again. You put me on the Mars, which some people would love to see that happen. I would not be there alone. You say, well, we left you there alone. Can't be alone. I can't be by myself because he is in me and he will never leave me or forsake me. So no matter who you are, where you are, do not grow weary in well-doing for in due time you will reap. Hang in there. Ask God to send you people and be the person that is sent to someone else. Be willing to be that person because you may be all somebody else has got to. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.